In, um, in uh, John chapter 5, I want to start here. This is a completion of what I started on Sunday, the life of the Son, part two. Jesus has done something really wonderful for us in that he has given us his life. I like to say that Jesus died to give us his life. He could not give his life away except he died. And so he died to give us his life. So because Jesus, when he rose from the grave, he became, the scripture says, he became a life-giving spirit. So then as he rose from the dead, he was the very first man to beat death. So I want us to talk about that uh, in just a moment. Um, we have prayed for so many here tonight, and uh, I, I did not initially see the Ulix when they came in, uh, but I, I would like to just say that I know that our sister Jadida, who normally reads tonight, I did not want to impose on her. You, you saw me talking with her husband. I said, uh, is she ready to read? Because her, her grandmother's passing. And I, I know that has to be tough uh, for all of us. And so uh, we, we extend our love to you and our prayers to you uh, as we do others in the name of the Lord. And God will strengthen you because we know that for us, death does not have the final say. Yes. So the Lord Jesus has the final say. Amen. 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 So let us look in the scripture, uh, John chapter 5. We'll start in verse 24. And what we want to do, we want to allow the scriptures to inform us. Uh, we want to be informed by the word of God and not by those things that surround us. John chapter 5 verse 24 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word, hears my word, and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. So he has eternal life. Eternal life comes as a result of you believing that God means what he says, says what he means. And if you believe, he says, you will have um, everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And so when you become a believer in God through Jesus Christ, then you have immediately everlasting life. And if you have everlasting life as the scriptures, or since you have everlasting life as the scriptures have said, then you cannot have, as it were, temporary salvation. Amen. It's not if you continue to be nice. No, God gives you eternal salvation, and it begins to change you. And you shall not come into judgment. That means that you will never su uh, suffer the condemnation of God. You will never be condemned. But you have already passed from death to life, is what the scripture says. Verse 25, most assuredly I say to you, Jesus is speaking, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So when we see death all around us in the United States in the last uh, a year and a half, over 600,000 people, and that, those are the ones that we have record of, have lost their lives. And, and over 600,000. So he says the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And so what he is saying is that, that death will come to all men, but only those who hear will live. So when our bodies die, then though our bodies are in the grave, then there's going to be a shout 
and those who hear the voice of the Lord will rise for, uh, in the first resurrection and they will live or have the eternal life that he promised. So this is really big. And before, in case I might forget it, let me just say that in these scriptures, you, you find that eternal life is like a big prize. It is something to be valued because when you receive eternal life, you then re, re, uh, receive the life of God. And, and so God is saying, come from your lowly place, come up here with me, and, and as it were, now listen carefully, be like me in this regard. And so this is something to be treasured, eternal life. And so we, we don't want to be nonchalant, you know, like happy-go-lucky, carefree, careless with it even, uh, this amazing eternal life. So the, the hour is coming and now is, this has two positions. And you have to understand that you have these two positions as well, and that is the present and the future. So you and I, could, it could be said, not arrogantly, but that we own, we own, as it were, the present and we own the future because of our faith in one, Jesus Christ. He says, for as the Father, go, uh, he goes on to say, as, for as the Father has life in himself, so, so he has granted the Son he has gifted the Son, granted the Son, to have life in himself. And so Jesus now, as it were, does not so much as have this eternal life. Yes, he has life in himself, so he is the eternal life as well. It's not as though um, he is a, a, a container and there's this substance called eternal life in the container, but the container itself is eternal life with Jesus. And he says, and, and not only that, not only has he granted the Son to have life in himself, but it has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. And the Son of Man, in this case, is a messianic title, carrying with it the authority of God the Father. So Jesus now has this eternal life. He has the authority from God. And in the book of Daniel, we, we uh, see a clear picture of this even before Christ came to the earth of Jesus receiving this amazing authority. So then, what does that say for us as believers? It says that you and I right now are standing in the authority of God through Jesus Christ. We are standing in it. We have authority over the things that are coming against us, death and so forth. We have authority. I think since we are seeing so much death and we are surrounded by so much death, we ought to understand it better in that its power is broken by life. And the life that broke the, that, uh, that, uh, that power lives now in you, resident in you. So you have to understand. Jesus says uh, in verse 28, verse 27 says, he has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So there, there's not just one great resurrection. There are, there, there we see here there's a resurrection of life, which we will have a bodily resurrection. We won't need our spirit man or our soul to be resurrected because we will uh, leave here in the presence of God and be in the presence of God. So that will not be resurrected, but your body will be resurrected. And you have to understand, and it is to life, res the resurrection 
of life. Come forth, come out from among the dead, because there will be many left there. And he says, I cannot myself do nothing. And Jesus is giving us vital information as we sojourn here on the earth. He's giving us vital information. This is life-giving information. So you and I do not do works to be saved, but because we are saved, we have good works. So you have to understand it. So anytime your behavior is not, uh, it's not congruent, um, equal to, it's not uh, like uh, the, the Word of God, it's not that. Whenever you find that your, your life, your actions are contrary to the Word of God, then you take inventory and you ask for forgiveness because that is not your norm. That is not your norm because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation and those things should not be. So we can never excuse ourselves when we uh, falter like that. So Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. I can of myself do nothing. We have to understand that it is the life in us that does the work. Jesus says, it's the Father in me who is doing the work. Now the life in us of Christ is doing the work. So that's what you, that, we are walking this out through Christ. So the life of the Son is to be very much valued because the life in us is eternal. It is not temporary. Jesus says, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own, but my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And so Jesus is explaining to the, the Pharisees that, that all that he does comes from the life of God, the Father, in him. And he says, and as I hear, I judge. Now, he's not speaking of, okay, I'm going to listen to what people are saying, and then I will decipher uh, what is right or what is wrong. He's saying, whatever the Father downloads, that's how he judges. And, what, and so you and I also um, have a, an opportunity to receive downloads. We should all be receiving downloads from God. I'm so amazed when uh, some of you will say to me, you know what the Lord just told me? It blesses my heart because every one of us is a son of God. Every one of us are capable of receiving these downloads. That's the life of the son in you. And so the life of the son in you informs your daily activities, causes you to be a better employee at work. You know, it, it, it causes you not to pilfer. It causes you to uh, not pick fights with people. Now, if you're picking fights with people, you have to repent of it. And you, and you, know, and you know it. If, if you are edgy, you know, and touchy, you have to. Uh, and now, now I would like to get to another segment in, in John chapter 6. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and usually my favorite chapter is the one I'm reading presently. So, in John chapter 6, I will begin reading in the uh, verse 26, and this comes after Jesus has performed a great miracle. You'll, you'll always notice that when God does something great in your life, the enemy always comes to try to negate it, try to get you to deny what God did. You know, you, you don't ever do that. It doesn't matter. And when sickness comes to us, when it comes to us all, uh, I was talking to Pastor Bert today, and we were talking about, you know, some of his challenges and it comes to us all. It comes to the godly. It comes to the ungodly. You know, you haven't sinned an egregious sin because sickness comes. But, but when it comes to us, we beat it no matter what the outcome. It's like we win no matter what. We, meant we win 
if we live through it here, we win if we live through it by going there. You know, if you've got, if you've got a, an opportunity to go to be with God and you win, or you stay here and you win, you win. So this is, this is what this life is about that you and I have. It's not, a, it's not that, oh, we, we made up a nice little fable because, oh, somebody died. No, they, went, they died in victory. See, no believer, nobody who has the, the son of, of God, nobody dies in defeat. Remember many years ago when we were watch, I, it was one of the channels, I, I've forgotten, I think it was ABC, and there, there was this guy coming down uh, the ski slopes. You remember that one? He's coming down and something happens and he tumbles and falls. It, and, and they have this caption that says, the, help me, the thrill of victory and what? The agony of defeat. The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. But you and I will experience no such agony. Amen. We will experience no such agony. It is the thrill of victory, the thrill of victory, the thrill of victory, because, because of the life of Jesus Christ. And because you're going through difficulty, don't feel like, well, others aren't going through difficulty. They just may not be wearing it on their face. You know, you know, you think, well, nothing happens good for me. No, it will happen good for you. I, I've told you many stories about that. But now, let me go back to the, my original uh, statement. Jesus had just performed a great miracle, great miracle. And so the people began to, the crowds began to follow him. And what we have seen the same thing in church in that because good things happen, then sometimes we uh, we gather great numbers of people. There are even thousands and tens of thousands of people. It doesn't mean that those tens of thousands of people or those million people that came to the meeting are all saved. And so, but we're not going to say they're not saved, but it doesn't mean they're all saved. And in John 6, 26, he says, Jesus says, he answered them and said, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the, of the loaves and were filled. They were seeking Jesus for material things. Now, does that warn us? Does that inform us? Are you seeking Jesus for what you can get from Jesus? You want something material. Maybe you want a, a bigger house, a nicer house, a better car, better clothing. Maybe you just want better food. Maybe you want more money in your pocket. And so you're seeking Jesus for material things. Or are you seeking him because you've seen something through the Holy Spirit? And we have to ask ourselves the tough questions. I believe in asking myself the tough questions. Sometimes I will say to myself, what's wrong with you? I will say, what's wrong with you? I will do that. Sometimes I'll wake up in the night and I will say, why did you say that today? God, forgive me. I don't say forgive him. That would be a little freak. So, so let's see how, how this goes. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. And so he's showing us this prize again. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes. And what Jesus is equating that with was their desire for a king who would give them all the sustenance they needed. And in and, and, uh, 2021, we want somebody who will supply all of our material needs and desires, our wants. We like that. And especially in the Western world. Now, in all over the world, it's like that, but especially here, we sort of e equate uh, godliness with material gain. 
So many of us. And you may say, well, I don't. You might. If we take away something you really treasure. You know, I've been in a, in a hot car. And I got in a hot car the other day. It was so hot. And I got in my car and it was so hot. And the air conditioning was not just instantaneously where it needed to be. And I was thinking, this is too hot. Well, I remember the days when we didn't have it at all. Some of you are, not, are too young. You don't remember those days. But we didn't have AC at all. We didn't have it in our cars. We didn't have it in our homes. And, and we would go, with a, put a dollar in our pocket, go into the stores downtown where they had fans. We'd go in there. You had a dollar in your pocket. They could not uh, put you out for loitering. Just to get cool. You'd be surprised how attached we are to things. But I believe the Lord is touching our things. And I believe that the Lord wants us to, to get rid of the desire for things before he has to take them away from us. It's very nice when you're a child, you see a little child that's attached to a toy and just wants the toy, wants the toy, but they're maybe hitting other kids with the toy. You want them to know what the toy is for before you have to take it from their hands. And so let's do that. So Jesus says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his, his seal on him. Eternal life, again, is a prize worth desiring. And he says, you want the food that endures, that food that remains, that food that abides forever. That's what you want. So in verse 28, they, they said to him, to Christ, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? It, it's very interesting how you, you see they, cha they, they change things because, and that the changing shows their lack of understanding. You can always tell how much we know about what we're saying and what we're receiving. So it's a lot, a lot of times we don't need to join the conversation if we don't understand what the conversation is about. The life of the Son of God will inform you of when you need to speak and when you need to be quiet. And so they said, what shall we do that we may uh, work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So each one of us, we, I've heard it said, we need miracles. And that, that's right. You know, if you've got bad problems, you need miracles. But what we need is to believe. We need to believe in Jesus Christ. He says, what is the work of God? He says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So if you really want to work God's work, do what God does. Believe in the Son. Believe in him whom God sent. And um, in verse 30, it says, Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. They went to the scripture. It's a proof text for them. And they, okay, I can prove my position here by this text. He says, as it is written, they said, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So he's saying, okay, Jesus, so what have you done so big? You fed a few thousand people. But, uh, you know, Moses did greater than that. That's what they're saying. And sometimes we miss the point because we're not in it for the right reason. We're not in the conversation for the right reason. We want to prove something or we take sides. I love not taking sides. I love not taking sides. And I trust that you will come to the place where you will 
love, not taking sides. Look, notice what he said. They, they wanted him to do, uh, do something, because uh, perform a sign. Give us a sign greater than feeding 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with, with uh, two, fish, two small fish and five loaves. Do something greater than that, is their sign. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. Now, this has to astound them because Jesus is giving them another understanding of Scripture. Are you open to a Jesus version of Scripture? You have to ask yourself that. I, I hear all the time people uh, quoting Scripture for the wrong reason. And let's, let, notice what he says. Um, my, um, I, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. The bread of God is not the nice um, manna uh, with, that tasted like coriander, had a little honey taste. No, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. So, oh, wow, well, give us the bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. That messed them up. That messed them up. Have you ever was going along with somebody and you were clocking really well with them until they said one thing that you didn't like and you shut them down? I've taught here at the fellowship that there are three ways that we, we, we listen. We, we listen, um, we listen uh, prejudiciously, uh, we listen uh, selectively, or we listen objectively. Objectively, prejudiciously, or selectively. And many of us listen selectively or prejudiciously. We, we have made up our minds as to what the answer is before the question is even asked. So we have to be careful, especially living in this day. Especially living in this day. So Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So it just messes them up. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And so Jesus is speaking spiritually, and they are still carnal. All right, so when we come to the house of God, we come for, a, for spiritual nourishment. We come for spiritual nourishment. We don't come with our minds made up. We come to hear what God is saying. Whatever God says, we'll do. Amen. That's what we must do. Amen. And so uh, Jesus goes on to, to rebuke them by saying, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. We need to believe what the Holy Spirit is showing us and not say yes, but whatever the Holy Spirit is revealing, that is the truth. You have, a, you have the life of God now. You have the very truth living inside. So if, if the very truth or since the very truth is living inside me, I must believe what the truth says. And somebody says, no, we have to believe facts. Well, I say, well, I, I do consider facts, but I, I prefer truth because what is factual today may not be factual tomorrow. And even what is true today may not be true tomorrow, but the truth remains unsettled, undaunted by anything that's happening outside itself. The truth is undaunted. So we have to understand our treasure. Our treasure is this amazing eternal life that came to us through Jesus. And, and, and when we say, well, I know that, you'll know that when you walk that out. You won't know that just because you give mental assent, but you will know that when you walk that out. And life will test you. Life will test you. You can drive out of here 
and go to Staples Street, and you may be tested before you, you get to Saratoga. If you're going in the other direction, before you can turn around in, in that little turnaround, before you get back to Timbergate, life can test you. You can go to bed tonight and wake up tested by life in the morning. You have to believe what God says. Believe the truth that is in you. Believe what the truth shows you. There are those people who have become alienated, alienated from truth. That's what he says. Jesus goes on to say, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Profound. Profound. All. All. That's why when I prayed for my children when they were young, teenagers and growing up, and I was seeing the world getting worse and worse, and I was praying feverishly for my children. And the Lord said, you're in covenant with me. Therefore, no, I am in covenant with you. Therefore, I am in covenant with your children. Amen. What's so difficult to believe, about that to believe? Why can't we believe just what God says? All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For, because I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is what he goes on to say, verse 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me. This is his will, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. So is your child the exception to this rule? Your child is not, nor are you. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. I will, I will lose nothing and I will raise you up. Why? Because death has no power over you. Has no power over you. When the psalmist wrote the, the words of the psalm, a thousand shall fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but will not come near you. He may have said that in one context, but the more comp comprehensive context is it can't hurt you. Death can't lay a hand on you. No, it cannot lay a hand on you because once you, you die, you go to sleep as it were, but you are present with the Lord. We need to comfort each other. Amen. Amen. And then Jesus goes on, he compounds this and he says, and this is the will of him who sent me. Okay, the will of him who sent me is that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, I should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. That you may have, God, you say, Lord, would you say me? Yes, you may have everlasting life, baby. Yes, sweetheart, you, you have everlasting life. You've believed in me, now you have everlasting life. And if you have everlasting life, then that, that's period, period rather. That's it. It can never be taken away. If it could be taken away, you would never have had everlasting life. Wow. And then he goes on to, to reaffirm, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
You, you believe in me, you have everlasting life, I'm going to raise you up. Some people look really bad while they're walking out this thing. Now, have you ever noticed that? You know, uh, have you ever noticed, I'm going to take a few more minutes. Uh, you know, have you noticed um, track runners sometimes, when you've seen the Olympic trials, and some people that come out of the starting blocks, and they're wobbly and running kind of, they stay in their lane, but they wobble, 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 and they'll straighten up and run. Have you, have you noticed that? Are you guys on athletes? I mean, you got te television. Have you all seen it? Any of you seen it? Oh, thank you. Maybe I can just, maybe I can just start preaching like this, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so you've seen that. But sometimes, and then you, have, you see other runners, they come out of the block, and they just straight, running, running perfectly. That's how a Christian walk. Some of us wobble out of the blocks. But we straighten up and come to the tape. Some of us start out right. So all of them belong to Jesus. Are you with me? All of them belong to Jesus. Now let me, let me see where I was. Yes, and Jesus promises to raise, raise uh, the, all of them up. The, wobble, the one wobbled out and the one that came straight out. He's going to raise them up. He said the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. That was always their issue. They wanted the bread as long as it wasn't him. Jesus is the desire of all nations, and the world wants a ruler like Jesus, but they don't want him. They complained because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, and listen, this is the issue. They had an issue here. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? What they knew or what they thought they knew was an enemy to what they needed to know. Be careful how smart you are. You don't want to outsmart yourself. In these times, you want to hear the voice of God and the Holy Spirit is speaking. He or she who has ears, let that person hear. Let that person hear the voice of God. It is amazing. You, sometimes you don't know uh, all the particulars about a subject matter, but when you hear it, you go, hmm, this sounds true. Hmm, that doesn't sound right. Holy Spirit working in Holy Spirit. And I've, I have grown, and I'm learning to trust the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you too. Now let me just sort of end, and we'll end uh, tonight, and maybe we'll pick this up on the tail end of another message. <laughs> is this not, is this, is not this Jesus, this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? So, again, what they knew was their most formidable enemy to gaining new knowledge. Jesus Christ, the bread of life, is who you want to know. You don't want to know who's going to win the 22 elections. You want to know Jesus, the bread of life. Eternity was within their grasp, and they denied what they saw and heard. They, dis they denied an, an indisputable truth. They denied an indisputable truth because nobody ever spoke like this man. 
yet they refuse the truth that they might be saved. And you and I can be delivered from the things that really perplex us. Jesus then said, don't murmur among yourself. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And again, he says, I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God, Isaiah 54, 13. They shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share this word tonight. You have assured us that whoever believes in you has everlasting life. You have assured us through the Holy Spirit that you are the bread of life. And as the Jews boasted in Moses and manna in the wilderness, you told them, yeah, your, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, but they are dead. I am the bread that one will eat of and that person will never die. I am living bread, you said to them. If anybody eats of you, receives of you, they will live forever. And want to thank you for that. And I just want to say, Lord, I pray that we would value this eternal life that you've, you've, you've given to us and you've offered to the world. I pray that we would receive this eternal life and begin to affect everybody on the outside. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you. Amen.